I want to say good morning, because um, it is a good morning. That's weird to bend down with the mic cord strapped your back. Um, <laughs> we're good. Man, good morning. I'm so excited about this message. Um, I'll be honest, uh, if you would have talked to me last night about 11, 12 o'clock, uh, when I was struggling through what are we going to talk about this morning, um, you'd been like, man, uh, I don't know what's going to go on. Because um, I was like, I don't know what's going to go on, to the point where... Um, I was so discouraged, I'm just being transparent, so just go with it, um, this wasn't planned, um, I was so discouraged, the thought in my brain was, man, I don't even know if I want to do this tomorrow, never in months, maybe years have I, have I thought that, um, but I just got to that place where it's like, man, um, let the devil tell me, you're worthless, you can't do it, uh, it's gonna be bad, and, uh, you might as well just not, and uh, I almost text you and said, hey, preach tomorrow because I just couldn't do I just couldn't get there and um and um now just to be honest um I flipped around the bible a couple times I was looking for something to do the holy spirit because God's not done with that yet um and uh got somewhere and then God was like check this out I love when he does that like leads you around the bible like it's a monopoly where <laughs> you're just like let's go around go around and um, there was another spot that he, he led me to, and I was looking at um, the fruit, like spiritual fruit, and uh, and how that kind of relates to us. And, and I got there, and it's like, it's not it. And just over and over again, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. And I was like, man, I've been doing this for a while now, and you're not giving me anything. What's going on? And then he pulled a verse into my head, and, um, and that's where we're going to be this morning. Um, but he took me the long way. And I just want you to know, some of you guys are on the long way right now um and it's not a bad way it's just the long way you've been praying for something and it feels like god's just dragging you around like maybe shoots and ladders for some of you it's a longer game than monopoly actually um and uh you're like i don't know what's going on because it's i'm going up and then i'm going down i'm going up and i'm going down and it feels like every time some of you have said this like i take one step forward i take two steps backwards um and i just want to say maybe god's taking you the long way but he is taking you and um this morning uh I'm going to share with you, that's that's my audience, I guess, this morning, what he shared with me last night, and I hope it's hurtful for you like it was for me, because um, that's great, but um, this morning we are going to continue on, on the series that we've been talking about on the Holy Spirit, um, Forgotten Promise, but I, I just want to be honest, it's kind of like a hybrid this morning, because although we are going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and we do want to elevate in our hearts and in our lives this power in the person uh, of the Holy Spirit, um, we touched on something last week that I just couldn't really get away from, and it was this idea that, that, that a lot of us are suffering, but we can suffer well. See, suffering is a natural thing. All of us suffer. Everybody on the planet suffers. It's part of being in this thing called the flesh. We weren't created that way. We are created for more. That's why suffering actually is so painful. We were never created to endure suffering. In Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, when God pr- created everything in perfection before sin entered the world, there was no suffering. There was no shame. There was no sin. There was no sadness. There was no darkness. It was just man and God the way it was supposed to be. And then we thought there was something better. Man, what a mistake. A lot of us are living in the garden moment where we think there's something better right now. We're reaching out for fruits that aren't God's fruits, and uh, we're trying to get something that's better than him. And I just want to say, the only thing on the menu worth anything is still the same this morning. Amen? Uh, God is still the only thing, and it might be pretty, and it might be shiny, and it may look great up there on that tree, and you may be eating it and eating it and eating it, and for maybe for a moment, you're like, man, this is fulfilling. We all know at the bottom of the barrel, it's emptiness, no matter what it is. 
no matter what the sin is, no matter what the person is, no matter what the name is, no matter what the position is, no matter what the money is, you can get all the money in the world. At the end of the day, if you don't have Jesus, you're still dead and you can't take any of it with you. It's all empty at the bottom. Amen? It's all empty at the bottom. There's only one name that matters, and that's the name of Jesus. Chase anything else you want, and at the end of life, when you see him, you're going to think, man, I missed it. But we all suffer. There's suffering, and it's a reality. We weren't created for it, but it's part of the fall. It's part of this fallen world that we all experience, and that's what makes glorification so great, this idea that we can go and we can leave this place, that we can be separated from not only the penalty of sin, thank you, Jesus, and not only kind of the power of sin, thank you, Holy Spirit, but the, the presence of sin one day. We're going to go to a place where there will be no more sin. There will be no more shame. There will be no more crying. There will be no more hurt. There will be no more death. We're all that know Jesus going towards that that place one day and that's amazing but on this place or in this place it's going to be the long way amen and I just want you to know that some of you guys maybe heard rainbows and puppies like when you get saved it's all going to be great it's all going to be amazing and I just want to know somebody lied to you because it's not reality because we're living in a fallen place but this morning we have access to somebody that's not living in a fallen place and this morning, I want to talk about that idea that we, although are going to suffer, we can suffer well. And we're going to do that this morning in Romans 5. So we're going to back up just a little bit from 8. Um, God is not letting us leave Romans yet. Uh, this book is actually not a book at all. It's a letter written to the church at Rome by a man named Paul. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe you've not. But um, Paul <coughs> actually wrote a good part of the second half of this book that we have. And a lot of the theology and the things that we believe and the things we think actually were taught to Paul from God, and he wrote it down for us, so that's amazing. Thank you, Paul. Um, and he's writing this letter to the church, a group of people like us who, who profess to know Jesus at Rome. And he's writing in, in this about several things, but a lot of this is about how we live after we've come in contact with this person, Jesus. And Romans 5 starts out with this amazing word, therefore. Now, we don't know what that's talking about because we haven't read before that. And anytime you see the word therefore, you, you need a little bit of context. You need to know what that therefore is therefore, as, as somebody would say. Um, and, and that means we've got to back up into four and see what Paul here is going to talk about. And what he's talking about in, in chapter four, if you just look right there at the first title, it's that Abraham was justified by faith. Abraham's a man in the Old Testament, if you ever read it, in that same book we just talked about. Um, Genesis, who is a patriarch or a founding father of the Jewish people. That this man was actually a man chosen by God um, to, to be the father of a nation, a father, a father of a people who God would call his own people. Abraham didn't even start out as Abraham. He started out as a man named Abram, and God called him out of the place that he was living, out of this place called Haran, and he called him out into the unknown. And he said, come and follow me. Now, see, most of us at that point in time would be like, okay, that might be cool, but what do you want me to do? And God was like, I already told you, I want you to follow me. Right, we play this game with God all the time. What do, you, what do you want for my life? I want you to follow me, but what do you want for my life? And what you're looking for is, what job do you want me to have? And what place do you want me to have? And God's like, I'm not really worried about those details. Amen? So we get so caught up in the, what do you want for me to, who do you want me to date? God doesn't care. I mean, he might, but he probably doesn't so much. That's not the real goal. The real goal is that you follow him. And if you follow him, guess what? You'll figure out what the right job is. And if you follow him, you'll figure out who you're supposed to date. See, God called Abraham out of this place of, of, of complacency, out of this place Haran, and he called him into an uncomfortable life, and the uncomfortable life is come and follow me. 
What do you mean by that? I mean, come follow me, wherever that goes, whatever that leads you to, wherever that is, wherever I'm taking you, whoever I'm taking you to, I want you to follow me. But he says, if you'll do that, this is the great part, God offers him a couple things. He, he gives up, he puts up on the table a couple promises. And when Abraham saw that, it says Abraham believed God. And it says that that was credited to him as righteousness. The Bible calls Abraham a righteous man, not actually a title given to very many people in the Bible. There's a lot of people in the Bible. Not very many people get called a righteous person in the Bible. I want you to hear that because there, there's a whole lot of us in the room, right? Amen? And there's a lot of us maybe that are encountering and part of the story of God, but there's only a couple in the Bible that are called righteous people. Well, what makes you a righteous person? Some of you would be surprised to know that Abraham was not a righteous person because he kept all the rules. He was a flawed man, made a lot of mistakes, actually. Abraham was not a righteous person because he kept the whole law and he followed everything and he'd done all the right things and he wore the right clothes. He was a righteous man, it says, because he believed God. So the therefore, let me just back you up and give you a little bit of context from the word here. Starts in verse 20 of chapter 4, and it says, He did not waver in unbelief. I don't even have to read anything else about him. He's already my hero. I want you to hear that. He did not waver in unbelief. In other words, he didn't flip back and forth with God. Oh, God, I believe you today, but today is hard, so I don't believe you today. And then today is good, so I believe you today. Abraham didn't waver in unbelief. He didn't let his circumstances determine his belief is what it's saying. He didn't waver in unbelief at God's promises, but listen to this, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. In other words, when the hard times come and it didn't look like God was going to come through on his promises, a lot of God's promises in Abraham's life didn't come the next day. Oh, if you'll follow me, I'll, I'll do this. In 30 years. <laughs> oh, if you'll follow me, I'll give you a son. When you're like 90-something years old and you feel like you can't have kids anymore and your wife is beyond childbearing years, he didn't let his circumstances determine his belief but used it as an opportunity to strengthen his faith. When it got, when it got hard is when Abraham's faith became hard. It hardened in, in, in the hard times. That, that's amazing to me. In the hard days, let me just give you a picture. What happened in Abraham's life is, man, today is horrible, but I know what you've said. So no matter what's happening today, I believe you for what you said is coming in the future. Amen. Even though tonight is a long night, and even though I've cried maybe for a long time now, and even though the hurt has come and, and, and the loneliness has come, I just want you to know, God, in this moment, I choose to believe. And that strengthened, it hardened his faith. And he glorified God. Oh man, this is horrible right now, but I want you to know this is what God has said to me and I believe it. Oh man, the day is hard right now, but I want you to know this is what God has said to me and I choose even today to believe. He didn't let his circumstances determine who God said he was and what he said he would do. You can go on because he's already my hero. I don't know about you. Um, but it says in 21, because he was fully convinced, here's the power, because he was fully convinced, he, he trusted completely that what he, God here, had promised, he was also able to perform. Here's the power moment in the hard days. It says that he was fully convinced or he trusted completely that what God had promised, he was able, had the ability to perform. I want you to hear that because that's the verse that kicked my butt all over the planet last night. See, the problem with faithlessness is not 
that we believe God maybe has changed his mind on what he said he would do. See, the truth is we know enough to know that God does not change his mind. That once God has said it, he will do it. That once God has said it to you, if God has made you a promise, he will come through on the promise. If God has told you something, the end result is that will come true. Amen. He doesn't change his mind. There's no shadow cast by his turning is what the Bible says. See, the problem is for most of us, we start to doubt the ability of God to come through on what God said he would do. See, we have eyes, right? And we know and we can look around and we can see our circumstances. And at some point in time for all of us, when the faithlessness comes and the fear comes and the doubt comes, it's not a moment when we think God has changed its mind. It's a moment where we look around and we see the obstacles as bigger than the God that we serve. We see the obstacles in front of us as something bigger than the ability of God to come through the obstacle. Man, see, the reality of it is, see, Abraham had a good picture of God. He'd seen him work, and he knew what he could do. And the reason Abraham was so, so convinced that God could do what he said he would do is not because God, he knew that God didn't change his mind. It's because he'd seen that God has the ability to come through on what he says he's going to do. Can I just speak to some of you in your circumstances right now? Some of you guys are looking around, and you're like, there is no way out of this moment God can take me to this place. Can I just say, God has the ability this morning to do what he said he's going to do. And no matter what's going on at home, no matter what's going on here, no matter what's going on at work, no matter what's going on in us, I just want you to know, God's ability is never in question. God is powerful, and he is faithful, and he has the ability to do exactly what he says he will do. Amen, hallelujah this morning. That's good stuff. I just want you to know that because the reality of it is we don't have to doubt in the ability of our God. Could I speak to your circumstances this morning? Not actually a big deal when you know who our God is. Not actually a very big obstacle to the God who walks through the walls and the God who parts the seas. Amen. He split the sea so I could walk right through it. Amen. Amen. My fear is drowned in perfect love. That is confidence in the ability of God to do what he says he's going to do. Abraham knew that, and we need to get on board with that. Because he was fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, God was also able to perform or do. 22, therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. Here's where righteousness comes from. I believe, God, that you're big enough to do what you say you're going to do. And a trust in that. And because of that, it was credited to him as righteousness. 23, now it was credited to him, uh, what was credited to him was not written for Abraham alone. Awesome. 24, but also for us, the people in this room, the church, the people who say we know Jesus, it will be credited to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. We can have that same righteousness credited or added to our account It says in 25, he, here Jesus, was delivered up for our trespasses, was killed for our sins, and he was raised, he was resurrected for our justification so that we could be declared morally right and good in front of God. Therefore. Therefore. That's the therefore. Just this morning. We're not even where we're going this morning, but I want you to know there's some power coming behind that word, therefore, this morning. We have the ability in this room, A, to get over fear and doubt and to get over this idea that our suffering or our hurt or whatever is going to kill us. We have the ability this morning to suffer well because this morning, if we trust in God and his ability to do what he says he's going to do, amen, then we have hope. Therefore, 
And then he starts just talking about Jesus. He says, therefore, because of that, since we have been declared righteous by faith. Righteous is this word meaning morally right and good. That's awesome, isn't it? This morning, because of our what, we've been declared morally right and good. You know, God looks at us and he doesn't think, oh, what a sinner, what a sucky human being, oh, what a waste of air, oh, what a waste of life, oh, what a waste of flesh, oh, what a waste of ability. He doesn't think any of that stuff. Through Jesus, when God looks at us, he thinks of us as morally right and good. That's amazing because I'm not any of those things. Amen. I'm not morally right. I don't know who you are or who you think I am, but I'm not morally right. And I would wager, actually, that none of us are actually very morally right. Maybe morally right compared to each other, but compared to God, none of us are morally right. Maybe like you can look at your neighbor and be like, oh, I'm better than that guy. I think that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Maybe we can think that, or maybe I'm good compared to my boss, or I'm good compared to my brother, or I'm good compared to whatever, but compared to God, are we? See, the truth of it is this morning, the standard to get to God is not man, it's God. God sets the standard, and he is what? Perfect. God is completely holy. He's actually perfect. He's actually holy in his perfection. He's otherly above, transcendent, actually, in his perfection. The word perfect, uh, perfection this morning doesn't even encompass who he is because we don't have a proper view of the word perfection. He's holy. He's other in his perfection. And, and we're compared to that guy. I don't want. I don't want to risk that on my own. Actually, I don't. I don't think actually enough. I can get enough good deeds to be considered holy in my perfection this morning. I don't think that. I don't think I can get enough good deeds to uh, or read the Bible enough times or or to pray enough times or to whatever enough times to be declared perfect in in, in holiness. I can't do that. But it says that here because of jesus or faith in what jesus has done that we have been declared morally right and good even though we're not god has placed that title on us because of what works nope because of behavior nope because of church attendance nope because we know how to dress no because of faith because of belief now that seems easy doesn't it that seems really easy actually most of us think we got to pay for something, right? we got to, oh man, God will love me more if I start acting better. Oh man, maybe God will extra save me if I start coming to church a little bit more. And that's not the deal here this morning. The deal here this morning is that we have faith. We believe that God is who he says he is and he does what he says he does and that Jesus was enough. And because of that, we've been declared morally right and good. That's beautiful this morning to me. Because I don't know about you, but I know how not morally right and good I am, and I know how far away from God I am, and I know that there's no way that I could ever approach him on my own. There's no amount of good deeds, and I, I do some good stuff sometimes, but, but there's no amount of good deeds that's going to get me close enough to him that I could be declared morally right and good. Actually, there's no amount of preaching that I can do. I can read this Bible my whole life. I can understand this Bible forever. I can get in the dictionary and look up what words mean, and I can get all the Bible concordance. I could own a bookstore the size of Lifeway and read all that stuff, and it still wouldn't do anything for me to move me into a place that I would be declared morally right and good. But because of faith... Because I believe God is who he says he is and can do what he says he's going to do and, and, and that Jesus was enough because of faith. God said, he placed on me this title and he says, you're good. When God looks at me, he says, you're good. Oh yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm a scumbag actually. It says our hearts are deceptively wicked. Some of you guys are like, oh, I'm pretty good. He must be pretty bad. And let me just tell you, your heart's lying to you right now because you're a scumbag. 
But when God looks at you, he doesn't say that. I can say that, but he doesn't say that. He says, you're good because of Jesus. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, it says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Amen? That's what the angels come singing about, wasn't it? Like when Jesus showed up on the planet, that's what the angels come singing about. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill to men. He wasn't talking about peace like I'm not going to punch you in the face. He was talking about peace like we were enemies of God. Some of you guys are still enemies of God. Don't fool yourself. Well, I come to church. That's great. Do you know Jesus? Because if you don't, you're an enemy of God. Doesn't matter how good you are. We start from a position. We are born into a position of rebellion. When we are born, we are enemies of God. We are all against God. And it doesn't matter how we talk. It doesn't matter how we act. It doesn't matter how morally right we try to be on our own because he made us and we're not living in perfect accordance with his will. We're enemies of God. It doesn't matter if you've ever cussed before or not. Amen? You can take that the other way. It doesn't matter if you've done horrible, horrible, horrible things. It's all even playing field today. Oh, but you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. It's, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Everybody that comes is a sinner. The only one that's the only perfect one's hanging on the cross, actually. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. There's no greaters. There's no lessers. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what I've done. It's not your business. It's Jesus' business because he already took care of it for me, and I hope he's taking care of it for you. But because of that, we all have access to peace with God. And what God does, he takes a bunch of people that are rebels that have come against him, that have lived against him, that have warred against him. He gave you your breath and you used that very breath to live against him. That way we were enemies of God. And he takes those enemies and he flips the script. And he says, because of Jesus, not because of you, not because you come to church, not because you said some prayer, because of Jesus, because he died, you don't have to be enemies of God anymore. You can come on in and you can have peace with me. I'm going to take rebellion off your name tag. I'm going to put son on there. And he says, because of Jesus, not only are we declared morally right and justifiable through faith, but now we also have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of you guys are like, oh, I got saved. No, there's more to it than that. Oh, I don't have to go to hell. That's, nev- that's part of maybe the perks. That's maybe part of the, 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 pack of the health benefits package. Maybe that's part of that deal. But that's not the thing that happened when Jesus died. Like, he didn't just die so you would have to burn forever. That's a great benefit, but that's not the deal. He come to make you morally right and justifiable before your God and to give you peace with God. That's amazing. That is salvation. And it says, also through him, because that wasn't enough, right? Like, <laughs> that was enough for me, but maybe that wasn't enough for him. And he said, also through him, through Jesus, we have obtained access. We have obtained access. We can enter, is what it's saying. We have, he's opened the door on the cross when Jesus died, when he bled for you and me. He opened the door for us to obtain access. You don't have to go in, but you can. He's opened the door. We've obtained access by this word again. Faith. Some of you guys are working too hard. We've obtained access by faith, by belief that God is who he is. He does what he says he does and that Jesus was enough by faith into this grace in which we stand. Now see, the first two, right, that's salvation for us. That's like when we come to give our life to Jesus. We've been declared in that moment, not 15 years later when you learn enough stuff, but in the moment you bow here and you give your life to Jesus, that moment God says you're good. Not when you get up and change your clothes. Not after you've come and you've been baptized and you've learned some stuff and now you're following Jesus. In that moment, in that moment, Jesus takes all your sins and what he gives you for that is good. Amen. That's a pretty good trait on your part. 
He takes all your baggage, and what he gives you is, is sonship, forgiveness. That's a pretty good moment. He gives you peace with God in that moment, not 15 years from now, not when you've earned it, not when he decides he loves you enough because you've been a good boy or good girl enough, but when you give your life to Jesus, not say a prayer, don't hear that. A lot of you have said prayers, and maybe those prayers didn't do anything, but when you give your life to Jesus, something changes in you, and you know it. And when you give your life to Jesus in that moment, you've, you've been given peace with God, and you've been given this title that's morally right and good, but God wasn't done there. See, the problem is a lot of churches, you stop right here. And you just sit there forever, and you come hear somebody talk, and some of you guys love it, and some of you hate it, and it's fine either way. I don't really care. But, but like, that's your deal, right? And you just wait for death because we forget there's something in between the two. But see, God didn't stop there. That would have been enough for me. It's enough for a lot of churches. But in that moment, what he also does is Jesus, through the cross, slams open the door, and he says, now you've obtained access. You don't have to go in. You can sit in your chair forever. You can sing those songs forever. You can do the church thing forever. Or you can step into grace. This grace on which we stand, this grace on which our, our life is founded on, this firm foundation. Can I just give you the definition of grace for a moment? Grace is when God gives you something you didn't earn. It's free. It's unmerited love and favor of God. That's grace. Grace is the unmerited, unearned love and favor of God. You didn't do anything to get it. That's the definition. Some of you guys are working too hard. Oh, but I got to be good. Oh, but I got to talk good. Oh, but I got to change my life. Oh, got to do. No, God will do those things. You just got to hold on. He says, in that moment at the cross, Jesus slammed open the door and everybody that's given their life to Jesus has obtained access to the unmerited, unearned love and favor of God. Can I just say this morning, through the cross, you are loved. You don't have to experience that. You don't have to accept that. You can try to earn that or you can step into that. We're not working this morning from a position trying to earn love. We are working from a position of loved Amen. I'm not serving trying to earn something. I'm serving because I've found something. And that is the unmerited, unearned love and favor of God. This grace on which my life is founded on. Favor is, is, is a word that means acceptance. That, that God has take a, taken a liking to you. You didn't earn that, but God accepts you. At the cross, Jesus slams open the door, and God doesn't say, come try to earn acceptance. He says, you're accepted. You don't have to earn somebody's acceptance. You have the acceptance of the creator of the universe. You don't have to work for people to like you. I like you, and I'm God, and I made you, and you have access to that. But favor is also another word, and what it means is that God is generous towards you, that God gives you gifts that are unearned. That, that's also part of grace, that God didn't just come to save you, but that would have been enough. He come to heap upon your life this generosity, that God came to, to generously give love and favor and acceptance and grace and even good things towards you. Amen? Like, hallelujah, that's pretty good. And that's the grace that through Jesus we can stand on, that our lives can be founded on. It doesn't have to be. Your life can be founded on, I'm going to try to earn the love of Jesus, or it can be, I'm already loved by Jesus. Your life can be founded on, I'm going to try to get accepted by God, or it can be founded on, I'm already accepted by God. 
Your, your life can be founded on, man, I hope God likes me, and I hope I can earn this, and I hope I can do this, or God already likes me, and I'm just going to operate in the freedom of the love and acceptance and liking of my Father. That's what my life is founded on. That's the grace on which I stand. Amen, hallelujah. That's the solid foundation, because in that moment, we realize, man, we don't have to have it all together all the time. Amen? Because the ground is firm here. God already accepts me. I can screw up and he's still going to accept me. I can mess up and he's still going to accept me. I can fail and he's still going to accept me. The ground on which I stand is the love and the favor of God. And I didn't do anything to get here except give my life to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Like at the moment of the cross, we get morally right and good. And that's amazing. I love being called good because I know I'm not. And we get peace with God. And that's amazing because I know that God really should squash me, but he decided to make me a son. And that's amazing. But I also got got an open door. I got access to the grace of God, the love and the mercy and acceptance and the liking of God. And that makes dealing with life, navigating through life a whole lot easier. Let me just tell you. Amen. And you aren't pumped about this like I am, apparently. Maybe you're still working for love, but I just want you to know from loved, from a spot of accepted, it's a beautiful thing. Maybe you think I'm nuts. Oh, I don't, I don't believe that, Brad. Well, then you need more faith, apparently, because I'm just going to let you know. I've been standing on this ground for like 10 years now, and it's solid. Amen. And I have bad days. I just told you about one at the beginning. Last night, I was like, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do this. And God's like, yes, you can. Yes, you can, because I'm able to accomplish what I say I'm going to accomplish. Don't doubt my ability. Amen. I'm able to do what I say I'm going to do. Don't doubt my ability. And then I'm going to doubt probably three days from now, and he's going to be like, hey, brother, I just want you to know, just like I said last time, don't doubt my ability. I have the ability. I love you, and I'm here for you, and I'm going to champion you, and I'm going to cheer you along, and I'm going to push you because I want you to do what I said I'm going to do. I want you to be part of that, and I'm going to stand right here with you on the solid ground. This is the ground on which we stand. Amen. And it says, even if... (laughs) God's still given, right? This is, this is the very definition of grace. Although through him uh, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and, listen to this, we rejoice, or we're exceedingly glad, we show gladness, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What, is, what does that even mean? The glory of God is the manifest presence of God. In this case, this is what it's talking about. And what it's saying is we rejoice in this hope, this idea that one day we're going to stand before him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Like one day, because of what Jesus has done, it all pours back to Jesus, right? Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, I've been declared morally right and good. Amen. That's great. And I've had peace with God. And now I'm living a life where I'm standing on the grace of God, the unmerited, unearned love and favor of God. I'm standing on that. But that's not even the end of the story. He said, also, we have this hope, this eager expectation that one day we're going to stand in the presence of God all through what Jesus did. All through what Jesus did, all through the cross, all through what Jesus did when he shed his blood for me. I've, I've obtained forgiveness, and that's beautiful, and I've obtained peace, and that's beautiful, but I've also obtained access to the love of God, and that's beautiful, but one day I know I have hope. I have this eager expectation that even in all the goodness God has given me, that's not the end of the goodness. One day I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to see him. I'm going to see him with my own eyes, and, and I'm not going to see him from far away. I hope you get that. You're not going to be standing in the back row of heaven. Some of you are like, oh, I'm just barely getting in. No, you don't barely get in with Jesus. You barely get in with you trying to do your own thing. But with faith, you don't barely get in. You get all the way up, snuggled up to the throne because that's the power of the blood. It's not based on you. That's the faith. And it says, we have this hope, this eager expectation, not, oh, I hope it's going to happen. But man, I hope he gets here soon. 
I have this hope, this eager expectation that one day I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to see God the Father with my own eyes. Man, that's the grace in which we're living in through the cross, and that's amazing. Amen? Like, that's good. I hope you get the, the depth of the goodness of that. And if you're not excited about that, maybe you need to come today and, and try to get some forgiveness or something. You need to come and you need to have a conversation with Jesus. For some of you, maybe it's not, <coughs> I've never been forgiven. Maybe it's just, I've never walked into the grace. I mean, I know that I'm forgiven, but I'm living in fear of I'm going to lose something. You can't lose something that you never earned. You can't lose the gift because it's a gift. God's not coming to revoke it. But then he says this, and this is kind of the tied all together thing. And three, he says, and not only that. What he's saying here, let me give you some context to where we're going because I've read ahead. (laughs) Is we don't only take the good. This is where a lot of us fail, I'll be honest. Because when something bad happens, we run. When something bad happens, we're like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can hang around for this. God, you've let me down. God, you've disappointed me. Yeah, he surely did. <laughs> surely your grace and forgiveness and peace and unmerited, unearned love and favor, surely that wasn't enough. I also have to have every day on the planet be a good day for me. And I have to never suffer. And I have to never go through anything hard. And nobody can ever challenge me. And nobody can ever come against me. See, the truth of it is, a lot of us think that way. We would never say it, and we even laugh when, it, when it's said, but when something happens that's bad, or we lose something, or, or, or heaven forbid, like sickness or death creeps into our life, or, or, or we lose this job, or we lose this money, or we lose whatever, or we lose this relationship, or we lose this friend, what we do is we leave. And Paul's writing this letter to the church, and he said, are you only going to take the good things? Really? You only want to be around God when everything is good. Because see, the reality of it is, if that's the truth, you have a very flawed perspective of who He is. You, you would trade your relationship with God for anger because He took money or a person or some other created thing. You would trade the relationship with the Creator because He revoked some creation from you. Not only do we accept the good things, is what he's saying. This is what he says. But we also rejoice in our afflictions. Man, I'll I'll be honest, I don't see a whole lot of people doing this. I see a whole lot of people who run in our afflictions and who doubt in our afflictions and who fear in our afflictions or who curse God in our afflictions. I mean, I don't know if I've met a whole lot of people that run around rejoicing, throwing a party, showing joy in our afflictions or our sufferings. 
But here Paul says this. Now, can I just remind you from last week, Paul is not a stranger to suffering. Paul actually is, is, is a man that when he was called by God, God said these words about him. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul, brother, you don't even know the amount of suffering that you're about to go through. You are going to be almost killed several times before you're actually killed. You're going to lose all your friends. Read Philippians. I think it's chapter 3. You're going to lose all your friends. You're going to lose all your position. He was a Pharisee. He was a man of wealth and power and reputation. And he lost every bit of that when he went to follow Jesus. Then he lost his health several times. And at the end of that, he lost his life. And before God ever called him, he spoke this over his life. Oh, I'm going to call you. And I'm going to show you how much you must suffer, but listen, for my name's sake. Oh, brother, you're going to suffer, but out of that suffering is going to come something beautiful. Man, they're going to be talking about me 2,000 years from now in Knoxville, Tennessee, because of something you wrote on the page, brother. I'm going to let you know you're going to suffer, but I'm going to lift you up out of that suffering, not for today, not for tomorrow, but for thousands and thousands of years. My church is going to rally around the words that you have written, because, man, in suffering, you have gained an intimacy with me. People are going to know that I was worth it because of what you are going to go through. And that is beautiful. And he writes these words. Maybe from prison he wrote a couple letters like that. And he says, not only that, maybe in chains when he's writing this, can you, can you believe that? Maybe marks on his back, bruises on his head. And he writes this, And not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. What he's saying is, man, I will take all the good that God's got. I'm not shunning the good, but when a bad day comes, when the struggle comes, when the sorrow comes, when the hurt comes, when, when I feel like, man, it's maybe over for me, I just want you to know I'm going to be shouting in prison. And here's why. Because, man, I will rejoice in my suffering because there's a reason for it. And here's what he gets to. Because we know, what he really means here is I know and I'm trying to tell you. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Can I just say here, God doesn't waste our suffering. There's always a reason for suffering. There is no just suffering for the sake of suffering. God doesn't put us through these things just to sit up there and watch. God's not the kid with the magnifying glass over the anthill. Like, that's not the deal. But God is teaching us something. And it says we rejoice in our afflictions because afflictions produce endurance. Man, this word endurance is an amazing word because it, it means staying power. The word endurance literally means 
to suffer patiently. Staying power. That, that, when, that when we suffer, we have the ability to stay and to wait it out patiently. What? what? Can, I, can I just say that suffering that separates the sinner's pray, prayer people from the real thing. I just want you to know when suffering comes, the sinner's prayer people, I'm going to go to Walmart. When suffering comes, the sinner's prayer people, I'm going to go to the house. When suffering comes, the sinner's prayer people, I'm going to check out. Because there was never anything real. You know, when Jesus is telling the parable and he talks about the seeds on the four different types of soil, and he says some fell on the good ground and it sprung up and produced fruit, but there were three others. Some fell on the road, those people, you know, in and out. Some, they, they, they fell on, uh, in, the, in the thorns. And when hard things come, it choked out. Sprung up abundantly at first, but when the hard things come, it choked it out. Suffering produces staying power. Suffering produces proof that Jesus has done something in us. See, the truth of it is, suffering happens for two people. One is you. Amen. Suffering happens for you. We need to know we believe what we say we believe. Amen. I'm not saying God causes suffering, but I'm saying God uses suffering, and he uses that to, to check in our hearts and to say, would I really be here still if there wasn't something to this? Would I really be here if there wasn't something to this hope that I'm grasping to? Would I really stay here if there wasn't something to cling to, or would I run? And the reality of it is you would run every time. It's easy to run. But can I just say that God doesn't waste it in the lives of those around you either. See, staying power isn't just for us. Endurance isn't just for us. The people you've been preaching to now for 10, 15 years that, that are like, oh, church isn't really for me. You just wait till you get in some suffering. And they watch you come through suffering with, with staying power. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I know that it's hard right now. And I know that life doesn't make sense right now. And I know that everything is against me right now. And I get that. But I just want you to know, just like Abraham, in these moments, my faith is hardened because I know that God is able to do what he says he's going to do. And I'm not going anywhere because I don't want to miss what's coming. Because I believe who he is. And I believe he can do what he says he's going to do. And I believe in what Jesus has done for me. And I'm going to stay right here because affliction produces endurance. But that's not it. This is that endurance produces proven character. Endurance, actually staying power, this, this hanging around, actually produces proven character that we are who we say we are. And we believe what we say we'll believe. See, the reality of it is most people don't believe this thing. And you can post as many Bible verses as you want to <laughs> on the Internet, and it's not going to bring anybody to Jesus most of the time. And you can, you, you can go preach on the streets, and you can do whatever you want to do. And if somebody doesn't believe this basic word, if they don't at least come to the uh, perception that this may be a true thing, this is never going to change anybody. But I want you to know when you're through the fire, when you're walking through the fire, and you come out on the other side, Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and people are like, man, um, I saw what you went through. 
And I don't understand how you're standing here right now. There's some meat behind because God is who he says he is. And he does what he says he'll do. See, endurance, staying power produces proven character. It proves that we really are who we say we are. And we really do believe who we say we believe. And he does what he says he'll do. It produces proven character. But it goes on for there because God is not still done. And he says, proven character produces hope. Proven character wells up in us hope. That one day we really are going to stand before God. That one day we really are going to see him. One day we really are going to leave this place and step into a place where there is no more suffering. There is no more sickness. There is no more sadness. There is no more death. See, the reality of it is suffering here makes that so much better. Because the reality of it is some of us are so in love with creation. We're so in love with what's around us. If nothing ever come to shake us and to show us, man, that this is all here for a moment and gone the next day, we would be content with just staying here. Some of you guys would be sad to leave and go to heaven today because there's something you want to watch on TV tonight. And it's not supposed to be that way. Some of you would be sad to, 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 to leave and go to heaven today because you want to see this thing happen in, in two years or five years or ten years. I want to see my kids grow up. Well, that's beautiful. But if God calls you today, man, heaven is sweeter. Yep. Oh, I want to see this person get married. Well, that's amazing and that's great. And if we stay here, man, we pray that that happens. But I want you to know, if you leave here today, heaven is sweeter. Oh, I want, I want this thing to happen, and I've got all these plans for my life, and I want to retire and move to blah, blah, blah. Well, that's amazing, and if you stay, man, I'm rooting for you, brother. But I want you to know, if you leave today, there is no retirement that's going to match the retirement when we're going to leave this place and step into that place. And it says, man, suffering produces in us this hope that, man, one day we're going to leave this place into a better place. Amen. Man, I, I want you to know there's some good days down here, but overall, I just want you to know I'm unimpressed. I mean, I've been here for 30 years, and I love some stuff, and I'm, I'm ready for some stuff. And if some stuff happens, man, I'm, I'm rooting for it. But I want you to know, man, I would much rather be there than here. Amen. Amen. There is no person that can hold me here. There's no job that can hold me here. There's no amount of money that can hold me here. There, there's nothing in this place that can hold me here because I am acquainted with suffering. And I know, man, what I've read and what I've seen and, and, and what I know about God, man. I would much rather be standing before him than standing here before you any day. God does not waste our suffering Man, the reality of it is one day we're going to leave this place. And for those of us that know Jesus, we're going to step into a place that, man, is created in perfection with the perfect one. And we're going to stand in the presence of perfection, surrounded by perfection, but I also want you to know as perfection. Like it was meant to be. And if your view of that isn't elevated, if your view of what's to come is not greater than what's here or what's behind, I just want you to know, man, you need to meet with Jesus. Man, I may be unimpressed with this, but I'm not unimpressed with this. 
happen. It says that affliction produces staying power, and staying power produces proven character, and proven character, all those things work together to produce in us this hope that, man, God is going to do what he says he's going to do. He has the ability today to do exactly what he says he's going to do. And then it says, this hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the vessel of the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I, I don't know where you're standing today, I have no idea. Some of you are standing in, I'm not worthy. Some of you are standing in, I'm not good. Some of you are standing in, I'm a failure. Some of you are standing in, I've messed up and that's why God's doing all these things to me or I've, I've, I've done something stupid and that's why I'm so afflicted. Some of you are standing in that and can I, can I just say that you don't have to stand in that because this morning through the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus, you have obtained access to stand in a better place, a place of grace. You have obtained access this morning to stand in a place of love, not for love. You have obtained access this morning to stand in a place of acceptance and not for acceptance through Jesus. Amen. This morning, you don't have to stand in I'm not good enough because you can stand in grace. This morning, you don't have to stand in, I can't do anything because you can stand in grace because of what he has done. That's beautiful to me. But can I just say for those of us who maybe are wandering through suffering today, you don't have to stand in defeat either. You don't have to stand in hopelessness today either. You don't have to stand in, it's never going to get better today either. Do we accept only good things from him? Or will we hand over our sufferings and allow him to use those things, not to push us away as the devil would choose, but to pull us in? Man, Jesus does amazing things through suffering, and the cross is the picture of that. God didn't exempt himself through suffer from suffering because he knew that it would bring us close. Man, suffering is still the vessel today that brings us into the intimate knowledge of who Jesus is and what he can do. This morning, if you're suffering, give it to him. This morning, if you're hurting, give it to him. Don't try to wallow in it and, and gather it up for yourself. Just give it to him. Let's pray.